by the time you hear this, we will be on day four of curfew. Yes, that curfew that means nothing to me because I stay inside the house anyway. Yes, that curfew that means nothing at all to me because <laughs> I've been doing the right fucking thing this whole time. <laughs> and if only the rest of this... Well, let's be fair, it's not every Victorian. No. But enough of them. <laughs> who have proven that the general public should probably not be given a vote, but that's not for me to decide. <laughs> we may or may not be angry because we just watched the uh, press conference as we're recording this on the 2nd of August. So I apologise for the front part of this podcast, but you should probably intro us. Before I say that, you know how they keep joking about dictator Dan as opposition? Yeah. You know what, Dan? Just do it. You have my full support. <laughs> Annex Victoria from the rest of Australia and turn it into your own dictatorship. Uh, uh, I'd follow okay. it. These, these, I'm mad. I saw so many people in those comments on live stream. I'm like, wow, I can't believe you get a say in what happens. Maybe say all this after the intro. Okay. Hello and welcome to Fuck Me Dead, the podcast that brings you the stories from Australia and its buddies that just make you say, fuck me dead. And that's what I felt like after watching that live stream. What's your name though? Oh, I'm CJ. And I'm Amanda. And yeah, we're mad. Jesus Christ. Probably shouldn't have recorded this straight after that, actually. No, I probably really shouldn't have. <laughs> um, oh, hang yeah. on, wait, 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 wait. <sighs> okay, now the podcast can begin. Coca-Cola, you want to sponsor us anytime, just let yeah, us know. Yeah, just let me know. <laughs> just really... Like, I know you should never read the comments on anything, but fucking hell. It, it, it was difficult to um. I, like, some of them I could probably the forgive for people turning up late and not hearing it when he said shit. But it was. It was, like, the same fucking questions over and over and over again that yeah. had already directly been answered. Been answered. Dan like, was like, you cannot how many leave times. five kilometer radius of your household unless you're going to work yeah. or if you have a reasonable argument and the curfew is for Melbourne and you can't be out between the hours of 8pm and 5am unless you're providing care or working a night shift. And the majority of the chat was just like, my supermarket's six kilometers away. What about night shift? I can't leave my house. I have children. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay. He said, you could be five kilometers away if you go to work or have a reasonable argument. Supermarket being an essential service, seven kilometers from your house is a reasonable argument. They're not going to stop you going. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know why these people can't just like order their groceries online then instead um yeah, there well, are other options what, what like, was that one person we saw were they sending their kids to childcare, even though they're already working from home yeah that that really confused me i'm like oh is that a thing that people are doing that even though they're at home they're sending them to childcare anyway jesus okay <laughs> one thing that this pandemic has taught me and it's been that my opinion about having children has been right from the start don't have them people hate them when they do <laughs> it just sort of seems like children are this huge inconvenience on their families. Well, that's how they're treating them anyway. I feel sorry for these kids when they grow up. And no one wants them to be around. Why did you have them then? I don't get it. I mean, I, it is. I feel bad saying it for these people who are like, what, I can't visit my partner or my family or whatever anymore because I live with you. But yeah, I get like, that. Six weeks of not being able to see someone or never being able to see them again because they got coronavirus and died. I mean, yeah. I, I do get that I, it would I'd be. Like, be I can't visit my dad. I haven't seen him in nearly two years. Yeah. Um, Big whoop. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I do understand that it would be a lot more difficult if you were living on your Alone. own. But it's not like we don't have ways to keep in touch with people. I was going to say, like, the vast majority of my communication is online anyway, so I don't really notice that much of a difference. I get that not everyone's like that, though. And again, it's only six weeks. It's only six weeks. We're, we're looking at potentially not being able to see any members of our family for how long did they say Victoria will be cut off from the rest of Australia? Like, two years or something? So... I mean, I mean, in some ways, that could be a benefit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would personally very much like to see my nan before yeah, then. Yeah, that's very, um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I feel so, I feel bad for my nan because, like, you know, I she's, she's stuck up there. She's stuck there on her own and she has no one. So, you know, would like you to visit her? I, I mean, it'd be nice if I could visit for Christmas. Yeah. And if probably we all just sit tight for six weeks, we can probably have an enjoyable Christmas in Victoria. But I don't think it's going to happen. People if, are going to fuck it up again. If the general public was based off those comments on the press conference, I, oh, we we're are so in fucked. trouble. <laughs> we're so fucked. And uh, just just quote Churchill here, the best case against democracy is a five-minute chat with the average voter and fuck me. Yeah. Dead. I just saw it. E yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It, it was, I, I it was did love some. There were some really funny people in there, though. I really love the person who said Victoria is no longer the education state. <laughs> uh, the driver's license. Sorry, not the driver's license. The car number plates here have Victoria. 
the education state or the place to be. Yeah. I just thought it was really funny their comment on <laughs> how fucking stupid some of these people were being. Yeah, I just feel it's very, very, very selfish. Yeah, I do feel like, you know, we live in 2020 and there is a lot of other ways to do things than just, you know, the one straightforward way. You know, it's it's like, I don't personally know anyone of coronavirus. I don't. I, I don't either. But I'm also not thinking to myself, that doesn't mean I shouldn't have to sacrifice part of my life to make sure people I don't know aren't protected. I mean, if you're going to be selfish, like, at least be selfish in a sensible way. Like me. I don't want to go out because I don't want to get sick. That's it. You know, I, I mean, I also don't want to risk other people, but I, I just, I don't want to get it. Whether it kills me or not, I don't want to get it. I don't want to be sick. I don't think that's an unrealistic or like, you know. We all have a duty of care to one another yeah. to do the right thing right now. And because of the nature of the virus, you know, a lot of the people who go out there and fucking spread it, they'll probably get off fine, you know? Yeah. But what about those who don't? What about those who do survive it and then have to live with fucking lifelong lung problems because the virus causes your lungs to eat themselves, you know? Like, just stop being fucking stupid. I wish instead of, like, (laughs) going that way, we as a society would go, oh, my God, flu cases are down this year. Maybe we should be working this way more often. Like, why do you want to get sick? Why why do you want to get sick at all, whether it's deadly or not? Wouldn't you rather just be healthy? (laughs) Like, I don't understand. But it's a scam so that they can make money. That was someone's argument. They were like, they're just doing this to line their pockets. How? Yeah, I. this is the thing. The whole government how, how does scam that work? thing if makes shut, no sense. If you destroy the economy, how does that make money for yeah, them? Exactly. We're a capitalist society. If people aren't making money, they're not getting money. So I, I don't understand how that's an argument. But whatever. Sometimes I feel like common sense is not so common. Mm. Anyway, we should probably not harp on about that for the entire podcast. What are we up to? Episode 33? Mm, Whatever that means. I hope you all remember episode 30 because I briefly allude back to it in my first story. (laughs) I don't remember episode 30, so I don't know how anyone else does. (laughs) That was the first one I did on the cult. Mm, 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 Okay. Okay. I think, yeah. But I'm not going back to the cult. I'm going back to my other story. Oh, I got excited for a second. About uh, Scott Johnson. Oh, exciting announcement. No one dies in this episode. Oh, yeah. No, no. Well, people get badly injured in my stories, but no one dies. No one dies in any of mine. Let me just triple. (laughs) Okay, I refer to Scott Johnson, who is dead, but he died in a previous podcast. Okay. (laughs) So that's okay, right? I guess. No one dies in this podcast. I might have fucked up. We'll find out. When we get to the end of my first story. Oh my god, when I turned to you earlier today and I said, can this be the episode where no one dies? Yeah. And no you one... said yes. <laughs> like, I might mention a statistic about people who had died. Does that count? I don't think that counts. Okay. Well, what are your stories like? Well, no one dies in them. Cool. So, you know, on a bit different for me. <laughs> Mine are about gays and emus. G- gays and emus. That's it. That's all I got for you today. Gays wow. and emus. Okay. I-, I will... The first story is about what it was kind of like for gay men in the 80s, and I will advise it's pretty... Grim? It's a bit grim. Even I was like, holy fuck, when I read about what happened to the guy. Um, but he doesn't die, so there's that. Uh, I also found a new news source, sort of, while researching this. I actually used it for two stories. Okay. Have you ever heard of Q News? No. Neither have I, but um, it's a queer newspaper. Oh, okay. It's been around for like 20-something years. I also like that they're based in Queensland, so the Q and Q News is kind of like a... Is it for queer or is it for Queensland? It's probably for both. Queens all around. But yeah, I seem to have lots of articles. So my first two stories are actually from that paper. Okay. I think that you should end today. Okay. Because I feel like my last story is not like... I don't want to leave the people with that story. Okay. Well, mine's about emus, so... So that means I should start, right? Yes. This one is kind of coronavirus um, mentioning, so I'm sorry that we're going to bring that up again. I think it's kind of hard to avoid at this this point. (laughs) (laughs) Evidently in Melbourne. (laughs) Huh? Um, huh? Uh, Fucking idiots. <laughs> okay, you have to calm down or otherwise this podcast is going to be a mess. Okay. <laughs> so this one happens in Sydney. So, you know, less coronavirus. For now. <laughs> this one is about a bad review. So the Cricketers Arms Hotel in Surrey Hills. Have you been there? Cricketers Arms Hotel in Surrey Hills. I don't think I have. I don't uh, think I've even yeah. seen it before. No, I'm pretty sure I actually had a birthday there once. And I attended another birthdays there once as well. Cricketers Arms Hotel, Surrey Hills. Let's have a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a bad pub. Uh, terrifying men's rooms just because there's no lights in there and it's all covered in graffiti so it's super dark. But Jesus, okay. <laughs> pretty, pretty good food. 
nice so, little space. It's a, a, it's good a very. Venue? You'd go very, back there. Yeah, I've been there a few times. Um, it's very much a very old pub. Mm. Like a lot of it's still original. Um, and there's a pretty good coffee shop across the room as well. So Okay, well, there you go. Th- th- there's a good review. The Cricketers Arms Hotel in Surrey Hills has clapped back at a negative review that was recently left on Google. <laughs> so I'll tell you the review first. The review reads, nice bar, but has the crankiest bartender in town. <laughs> I've been there many times and we'll definitely go again, but the barmen really dampened our spirits on well, Saturday night. There you go. So the pub itself's pretty good. It's just a staff issue. I mean, I haven't been there in like two years now, three. Did you, did you have any issues with the bartenders? <laughs> No. No, I don't. <laughs> so the pub decided they weren't having any of that bullshit and wrote the following response. It reads, Hi, Lisa. Thanks for the review. We've had a chat with our barman regarding this, and he'd like it to be publicly known that the ongoing instability of global recession that could render him unemployed at any moment, the lurking danger of COVID-19 potentially killing everyone he loves, the destruction of entire ecosystems due to climate change, and the inability to find a bloody cheap pouch tobacco in the inner city has made it all quite difficult for him to find much joy in life at the current moment. He said, however, that he will try and make more of an effort to smile. That's it? He wasn't smiling? I guess. (laughs) She doesn't say what he did? No, all, she's, all she says is that he really dampened their spirits. Does, does does she mean that it was like not enough bourbon in their bourbon and coke or? Excuse me, my drink <laughs> is too damp. There was a stat in the article that published this um, that I thought might be a good reflection of the current mood of some hospitality workers. That apparently... For- Every new job advertised on Seek in the hospitality industry at the moment, 18 people are on JobSeeker. Fucking hell. So that means that, like, we have all these hospitality workers that are super qualified and probably very good workers, but there are literally just no jobs for them, which is alarming. But, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that the hospitality industry is probably the hardest hit at the moment. Definitely one of. It's hard because, like, pretty much at any moment, she could get shut again. Yeah. Well, even now, we're shutting... Down. Like, it sounds like some places, a lot of the food places are probably going to get shut down more. Like takeaway is still a thing here in Melbourne, even mm. on the new stage four thing. It's one of the few things that keeps working. But if you're only doing takeaway, you don't need most of your staff. No. So even like if things are pulled back, you're still going to let go people. I, I get that because you can't keep paying everyone when you're not making as much money. Yeah. I just, I kind of thought it was a story to be just like to remind people that hospitality workers are human also. Yeah. And they that's... don't need to put on a show for you to have a good night. I'm sorry. Unless there was something wrong with the way he poured your drink, there's really no right to complain. Yeah. And a lot of them, you know, they don't have savings. A lot of them are on your week to week kind of stuff. Mostly casual workers. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah, hospitality is not something most people do as a lifelong career. It certainly are people who make it work. Like, I know a lot of bartenders back in Sydney who, you know, they're like the owners of their own bars now. They've been doing it for years kind of thing. Mm. And they've got staff who work with them and do it for ages. But at the same time, I don't know how well off their actual individual staff members are. Isn't hospitality one of, like, the lowest paid industries? I think so, yeah. Which is a shame because a lot of it, like, the longer you're there, you get really talented at what you do. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying these people aren't talented or anything like that. I'm sure that they're worth much more than they're probably currently getting paid. I just think that if someone's not in the... Like, honestly, if you don't work in hospitality, how often do you go to work or start work, if you're working from home right now, not in the greatest mood you've ever been in? I think that's normal. Again, unless there's something wrong with the way you poured your drink, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, hospitality is very similar to retail and, like, the time... Thankless. Yeah. Think about the shit stuff you hear about people dealing with in retail. Now imagine if those people were drunk as well. Yeah, no. I Honestly, I don't think I could do it. I do. It's weird. I miss hospitality in some ways, but I just miss making coffee. <laughs> and like the fun thing about hospitality is like you finish your job, you go home for the day, you're done. You don't have to worry about shit anymore. You know? It's like, yeah. Whatever. Well, that was what appealed to me about becoming a postie. Yeah. And, and like, there was lots of things I liked about it. And lots of a lot of people I work with, but some of the customers, you just think to yourself, Fuck, I hope they don't come back. <laughs> yeah. Or you get well, the weirdest complaints from them. Like, like, it's not easy to deal with these people all the time. Well, not I mean, everyone. It's just a handful of people. I think that you do get that to some extent in every job, but obviously like yeah. re- uh, retail and um, hospitality, hospitality, you have so much more contact with the public that it becomes more apparent when people are absolutely fucking shit. <laughs> when I was a postie once, I was on a break. I was sitting in a park eating something and a guy just came out of fucking nowhere and started abusing me for something that happened on a different route that wasn't even mine. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm so glad that I don't generally have to deal with people like this. <laughs> that was my story. Well, I'm not going to lighten the mood at all. Excellent. 
Gay man reveals shocking police reaction to his 1980s bashing. Oh, okay. So this is from Q News, as I said, by Jordan Hurst. Is this a recent story or...? It is actually. So as I mentioned, back in episode 30, we spoke about Scott Johnson. He was that young American mathematician found dead near Manly in the early 80s, Mm -hmm. or the mid 80s, I can't remember now, killed an alleged gay hate crime. So this story came out due to Scott Johnson's killer being arrested. So this guy came out and sort of said, it's one of these things where something happened, so he came out to show his experience, basically, of what it was like to be a gay man in Australia, in Sydney, in the 1980s. A quick update on that Scott Johnson case, though. His killer, Scott White, actually lives in Lane Cove. Okay. Looked like one of the red brick uh, apartments on Burns Bay Road. Couldn't quite confirm it, but that's what it looked like to me. We both know the area pretty well <laughs> since we lived there for a yeah. long time. <laughs> uh, and also, he was not surprised when the police showed up, he said. Wow, so okay. I guess he's been expecting it. And then they spoke to his neighbours who were like, oh, he's kind of quiet and kept himself, but he has helped us a few times. So, I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Uh, he should be back in court late July, it said. So, might be another update on that one shortly. Uh, but today, we're talking about Martin Parker, which is a fun name to say out loud, actually. Martin Parker. Martin Parker. Martin Parker. Flows off the tongue quite nicely. Martin Parker. Martin Parker. Some words are fun to say and other words are fun to type. Is Martin Parker fun to type? I'm actually struggling so. to say it now. <laughs> Martin Parker. So uh, he was visually assaulted in Sydney. He's an Aaron Bean. Well, that's not good. Mm. So he met a man there who was just pretending he was gay so he could beat him up. And he beat what him up fuck? so badly his jaw was hanging off. Oh my God. So Martin made his way to the police station with his injuries, and according to him, when the ER doctors saw him, they actually thought he'd been in a car accident. Jesus. So, quote here from Martin, I couldn't believe how disfigured I was. I could grab hold of my upper jaw and actually pull it out of my mouth. Fuck that noise. The guy I had met near the toilet said he had an apartment in Manly, so we decided to go back to his place. But when I turned around to walk towards the car, he hit me in the back of the head and knocked me to the ground. He smashed my face six or seven times. I don't... I don't get this. Why? Because he was gay. Yeah, but who cares? 80s. This guy did, apparently. So he's gone to the police. What do you, th- what do you think he's probably going to ask the police to do? To, like, Fire the guy? Who- the guy? Yeah, yeah. So he asked the police to do their job and pursue his attacker. Six weeks later, he goes for an update to find out what's going on. Yeah. And they're like, we don't have any record of that report you made. What? They, d- they didn't have a record of it. So somehow he digs a bit further and he finds out that actually there is a brief report from the night that he came in, which he claims... This report only included comedy notes saying that he deserved the bashing because he was at a gay beat. The 80s are wild. Yeah. So a, a gay beat is, you know, like a police beat? Yeah. It's the same thing, but for like gay men, if that makes sense? I, I guess, but it's like... It's like an area where gay guys go to hang out and find other gay guys from what I read briefly. Okay, cool. Not a term I've ever heard of, but... I, f- I fail to see the issue here. It's like, yeah, it's like, well, you are at the place where gay people are and you're gay, so you deserve to get bashed. What the fuck? God. You know, like, sometimes I look at the way society is now and how we still have all these, like, prejudices, but then it's kind of nice to be reminded how far we've come. Yeah. Well, this is in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, that's not really that long ago. 30 years? Definitely. Kind of, I mean, it's not perfect. It's nowhere near perfect now, but it's still not this. <laughs> yeah. So, like, as we mentioned, and this article goes on to in episode 30, so throughout the 70s, 80s, and even into the 90s, there was a numerous gay men disappearing and being murdered in New South Wales, particularly around that area. Or they were being hospitalised by gangs who were going out and targeting them. What the fuck? And then in 2019, there was a New South Wales parliamentary inquiry into gay hate crime. Unsurprisingly, it found out that there was a prevailing acceptance and indifference to the violence against gay men during those times. For the most part, it's probably gotten better. Gay men are also not the only ones who are being subjected to that indifference. But it's not like it's gone away. Yeah. But is it just me that the people who are doing the gay bashing are a bit gay themselves? Like they don't want to admit to themselves? There was, it mentioned in the article and I didn't really bring into it, these men... They're called like MSMNs or something like that. And they're MNs, men okay. who have sex with men, but they don't necessarily identify as queer mostly because they are closeted to some degree. Okay. So okay. I think there's probably some truth into what you're saying, but I wouldn't say every case. I just, I fail to understand how a person, you know, an average person can be so filled with hate. They can be so filled with hate over something that does not affect them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what difference does it make to you if you're a straight man, if another man who you don't know is butt-fucking another man you don't know? What effect does that have on your life? Like, how could you be so angry about it? It's wrong, and the Bible says so. Oh, look, let's not go into that, but... The- <laughs> anyway, that's pretty much my whole story. I just... The next one's a little bit more interesting and less depressing. <laughs> okay. I just, uh... Yeah, I'm glad that we're not still at the point of that kind of thing. I'm sure it still happens. 
Definitely. Don't get me wrong. Don't like I'm not saying that this is perfect or that the police are perfect. That's definitely not true. I feel like people in general are more accepting. Yeah. Of course, there are still pockets of people who are not in any way. I don't know. I just, I feel like if you went to the police these days, you know what? I'm actually probably really off base here because I'm not gay and I don't know. Mm. That's my perception because I'm a person who doesn't care if you're gay. That might not be reality. Yeah. It is hard. It's it's hard to say. I don't know. I just feel like younger generations, especially now, are way more accepting. So I would hope that that means that the police force is changing also. But probably again, I don't know if I know. yet, but maybe as those ones grow up. But I also feel like the kids these days, probably a lot of them don't want to grow up and be policemen. It doesn't sound like an appealing job, if I'm totally honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, police might not exist one day, so... I don't know. I think the optimist in me wants to say that I would hope that police violence against uh, queer people is down, but maybe that's not even true. <laughs> well, it wasn't a case of police violence, at least, which initially I did think it was when I first read the headline. Yeah, I thought that's where you were going. I think that's why I had it still in my mind. Yeah, but no, no. It's just the police being like, well, we don't care. Just reminds me of the... um, I might have mentioned this line before. Definitely to you, but I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast, but the uh, show Bro Town that we had in New Zealand Mm. is an episode of one of the... Because it's about a bunch of Islander and Maori kids, and one of them gets kidnapped, and they call the police, and it's like, oh, what'd the police say? And he's like, oh, they said that the police don't really care about Islanders, but to call back if any other ethnicities are taken. It's kind of like that. Yeah, I don't know. I just struggle as a human to understand why anyone cares if someone's gay or whatever they want to be. Because it frightens them for some reason. I think it'd be really interesting when we're like my grandmother's age, Mm -hmm. how different like society views are. What are we? Because if you think about it, in in 30 years, things have changed pretty dramatically. What's going to happen in the next 30 years? If we survive. I mean. (laughs) I think we will, but you know. COVID might take us out, but. I doubt it. (laughs) Anyway, I, I don't want to say too much because I feel like I'm not... Experienced enough? Yeah, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm a straight straight person. I, I don't think I have a real, like no, the no, relevant no, no. life Straight experience. white people are the ones who should definitely voice their opinions on everything and we <laughs> always know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I might be totally off base and that's just my perception because I don't see it. Mm. Let's move on then. I, I feel like I, I just, I want to like backtrack and like, I don't want to seem ignorant even though I probably am. Mm. Let's move on to something dramatically different. Yeah. And now for something completely die for ant? Yes. Would you die for ant? Like, probably not. Oh, sorry, ants. <laughs> Let's talk about aliens. Aliens? Aliens. Aliens. Okay. Do you believe in aliens? Yeah, but I don't think they visited Earth. Why not? I just don't think they have. I'm positive there is other life out there in the galaxy. Well, I think it'd be very ignorant of us to... Well, ignorant? Arrogant? Arrogant of us to think that we're the only beings in the universe? Yeah, um, but given how... I mean, the universe isn't that old. It's only 14 billion years, so... That's all. And how rare life does seem to be, you know? What are the odds that there'd be one nearby, two that they could reach us, and three that they wouldn't just fucking be like, I'm going to take this planet. (laughs) And also, there's only ever been, like, stories of aliens in the past 100 years, really. Yeah, but maybe their technology only got good enough in the past 100 years. Mm. That's a possibility. I suppose, but I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to talk about the biggest mass UFO sighting in Australia. Have we already done this story? Don't tell me that, that we have. No, hang on. <laughs> Let me double check. I don't think I've done aliens before. When do you think I've done aliens? It might just be because you've spoken to me about this before. God, it's going to be really bad if I have done this already and I'm just going to tell you the exact same shit. Well, we're going to talk about the aliens anyway. And if you remember this story from our podcast, let us know. We'll have a laugh about it. Otherwise, let's see them aliens, as they used to say on the Let's Raid Area 51 meme chat. Show I don't us. think I have because I hadn't. Okay, so. How my- many alien cheeks are clapped in this story? Okay, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so most of my research came from a documentary called Westall 66, A Suburban UFO Mystery. I highly recommend you watch it because it has a lot of interviews with witnesses, direct witnesses, not, you know, someone who knows someone, people who were there that day that seen the UFO. And the thing is about this one is it's really unique because most UFO sightings have like a max handful of people that may have seen it. Yeah, or it occurs in some weird part in the middle of nowhere. It's like, why are the aliens go there? Hundreds of people seen this one. Hundreds. Up to about 300 people witnessed this incident. So that gives it a little bit more credibility to me that something happened that day that 
isn't quite explained. The other thing I'm going to recommend is a Facebook group called The Westall Flying Saucer Incident. They just talk about aliens and stuff. Well, not aliens, but UFOs. And uh, a lot of the witnesses are in there answering people's questions. So I found that quite interesting when I was researching this. Hmm. So if you have the time, you want to know more, I'd highly recommend those two things. You know, we've built flying saucers, right? When? Where? How? No, we have. We've built flying saucers as humans. Okay, you need to give me more details. Not very good ones, but we have invented, like, built them. I think it was in Canada. Then what is one doing in Australia? Well, I'm just saying just because the Canadians built a bad one, you know, it could be like, there's probably more than just one around. Yeah, the US Air Force had one in the 1950s. Look at this thing. That does not look like a fucking flying saucer. Yes, it does. It's a saucer and it flies. The picture he just showed me does not look like your typical alien flying saucer, like at all. It looks exactly like it. No, it doesn't. It's the exact same shape and everything. Okay, whatever. My favorite fictional flying saucer is the one from Flight of the Navigator. That is a cool flying saucer spaceship. (laughs) Carry on. Anyway, we're not talking about this flying saucer. We're talking about one in Australia. Mm Mm-hmm. So, on April 6th in 1966, and I did see a lot of people going, 666, oh my god. No, it wasn't a saucer at all, it was just Satan. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but on that day, over 200 children and staff from Westall High School, which is located in Clayton South in Melbourne's East, as well as many local residents witnessed a strange object hovering in the sky over the school. Witnesses described the object as a low-flying, silver or grey shining object that looked like a disc. Pretty much exactly what you would picture if you thought of a flying saucer. What orientation was the disc what do you mean was the flat side to the ground yes. or? okay in the documentary a guy actually sketched what he seen hmm. and it, it was so stereotypically like the flying saucer shape so like a kind of dome with a little thing on top and his view from underneath was like a circle with lights couldn't be more your stereotypical flying saucer okay the object appeared during morning recess which meant most of the students were outside in the oval obviously a lot of witnesses some of the kids are really excited about the flying saucers. I say multiple because there is a bit of debate as to whether it was just one. Okay. While others were terrified. In the documentary, there is this woman who goes, oh, me, you know, me and a friend of mine were sitting on the fence of the school crying because we thought the world was ending. And I'm like, I guess, you know, it makes sense if you're like a young person and you see something in the air that you have never seen before. You know, I'd be that person. I would be the one assuming the worst. Mm. <laughs> After hovering above the school briefly, the object moved to nearby parklands at the Grange Reserve where it landed. So this thing made contact with the ground. Okay. Some of the bolder children jumped the fence and ran to the landing site to see if they could get a closer look. While there weren't too many kids who did, who did this, there were people who went to the site and actually seen it on the ground. There was one girl named Tanya. And it's reported that she saw the landing site and could have also possibly touched it. This is where it starts to get really weird for me. In the documentary, they interview one of her best friends. Where and- is she? Hmm? Where is she? Exactly. That's that's the issue here. So when she when Tanya got back to the school, an ambulance was called for her, and her friend who was interviewed said that she never saw Tanya again. Like she never went back to school. Who called the ambulance? Or is it just a child making things up? How do you explain <laughs> never going back to school? I'm saying Tanya never existed. I, I don't know about that. The thing is, like, these weren't, like, young kids. If they were, like, five or six, I'd be like, yeah, okay, maybe they're just making shit up. This is a high school. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't think this woman who, like, they when they interviewed her, she's in, like, her 50s or 60s, actually. I don't think that she'd be making that shit up still. <laughs> but maybe she's not aware that she made it up at the time and she thinks it's true. I don't know. The, you know, we... It's very easy for us to make up false memories that we think are true. I guess. Or like a slightly warped things that we thought we we're certain it happened this way and then everyone else like, no, it's this way. I think the thing That's for me- That's why the Mandela effect cult, sorry, cult conspiracy is so popular. I think the thing for me is that if she had started saying this at the time, wouldn't someone just turn around and went, who the fuck's Tanya? That didn't happen? Hmm. And this story is still going when it could but have been very easily disproved. Of- this Tanya story from that time or is it only afterwards they've mentioned Tanya? No, see, the thing in, in the documentary is that they, just, they just repeated things that were already known mm. but he interviewed witnesses so yeah. it's more credible. That to me seems like it could have been really easily disproven especially since, okay, even even if she did say it like now, couldn't, oh, he, couldn't would... he have just asked another witness like, do you remember Tanya? And if they went, who the fuck's that? It would have been easily disproven. So did they? I don't know. The other thing you could easily do would be look at the school records because they record all the students who come through. So Right. So I, I just feel like it's too easily disproven to be bullshit. Yeah, but if there's a documentary someone wanted to prove there's aliens, they're going to go like, well, that's all I needed. 
No, it's not proving that there's aliens. The whole documentary is mostly about the cover-up, which is what we're going to talk about. Okay. Because that's a big part of the story and why people think. Like, why the legend lives on that people think that it was an alien spaceship. So hold on, I'll get to that though. After the object landed, it took off into the sky and disappeared from sight. So all of these events took place over about a 20-minute period. Again, it's not just like a flash in the sky and then it's gone, like something that you could maybe easily mistake it for something else. Like this thing was around enough for people to get a really good look at it. Hmm. The landing site was described to have flattened the grass where it did land. And some say it looked like the grass had been burnt a bit from the heat of the object because the people who were at the site said that it was hot, which would make sense if it's a flying aircraft of some kind. Or with a balloon that's been in the sun all day. We're going to get to that theory too, and I don't buy that one. I don't know, the weather balloon that supposedly took Balloon Boy away looks like a UFO. We're going to get to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So while this particular UFO sighting is pretty fucking weird, there's a lot of things that are not usual for UFO sighting, and the big one is that over 300 people seen it. Yeah. Which makes me think that it's not mass hysteria. (laughs) There was something in the sky that people didn't recognize Mm -hmm. and didn't have an explanation for. So I think in that... I'm not sure I fully buy aliens... Personally. I think definitely from the sounds of it, there was something in the sky that day. Mm. I'm more inclined to believe something the military was doing. Yeah. That's probably like, where I There is a military well. base in the area, like a flying one. Yeah. It's called West Sail, you know, it's not that far away from, like, it's not hard for them to fly to that part of Melbourne and back. Right. Yeah, I, I would be more inclined to believe it's something along those lines. And then, of course, you know, when people, that kid who drew a UFO, you know, he's looked up, seen something that him, he's gone, oh, that's a UFO. So that's how he, drew. you know, like when people see like the face of Jesus and shit, because they kind of <laughs> looking for it, they're going to find yeah. it. I don't know. Everyone describes it as a very similar shape. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard. Like when you have that many, it makes it more credible that it did look how it was described to look because there were so many witnesses, I yeah. guess. And this was before the UFO hysteria. That was all in the 70s. This was this, before that. Yeah. But then again, also, there's already people saying there was more than one. And now there was only one. And Look, like, people exaggerate. Let's mm. be real. I believe, that, I, I personally believe from all the things that I read that there was one. Some people say two. Yeah. I don't know. Well. Most people say one. So I believe that. I think after the 40 episodes of this podcast that we've done now, it's quite easy to prove that yeah, exaggeration happens. Yeah. People do. You know, you've got a salacious story. Of course you're going to fucking exaggerate it. Yeah. Just round <laughs> up a number here and there, you know. Yeah, exactly. We've done the past 46 episodes. <laughs> the weirdest thing, though, about this is that there was a huge cover-up. Because it was some fucking military tech. And I think the thing about this is that the reason that was a cover-up, because there were so many witnesses, usually when there's just a handful of people or one oh, or two. just a crazy man. They're just crazy people. Whatever. But when you have fucking 300 witnesses. <laughs> fucking 300 witnesses saw our Cold War spy planes that the US is testing here. That's also another thing, because Cold War hysteria was definitely a thing mm-hmm. at this point. I'm more inclined to, yeah, go the military route on this one rather than aliens. Yeah. And this is the 60s. And in the 50s and 60s, the military, especially the American military, and the Russian ones, really, they were all trying out really weird fucking aircraft. Yeah. Like, some of the aircraft from these times is fucking weird, because it was all still quite new. Yeah. After World War II, like, how do we build a better plane? And that's why you get so many weird fucking aircraft, until we figured out, oh, no, this is the best way to build them, and that's why all aircraft today pretty much look the same, because it's the best design. So, yeah, I definitely yeah, I definitely think it's sort of more something like that than... Yeah aliens but the media didn't cover it so like we can't go back and look at the media coverage of this because there was none or has it been erased (laughs) there was one article one article published by the dandenong journal and they covered it for like a week Hmm. that's it and then it disappeared from there as well so i mean that's weird i think especially during this like i don't know in the 60s i feel like there was not a lot of like well not newsworthy like there is now i mean What's newsworthy now is debatable. I would say probably people were more concerned about the Cold War and stuff than an alien sighting. Whatever. (laughs) You think about how there was that footage earlier on in the coronavirus pandemic that pretty much showed aliens flying and the US military going, yeah, there's aliens, which I still don't think was real. (laughs) Or like actually aliens. And people were just about two days later, they're like, yeah, whatever. You know? True. True. There was there was not a lot of media coverage at all. Not even in the local area. There was pretty much nothing. And I think this might have been in like largely due to the fact that all of the staff and the students of the school were being told to talk to no one about the incident. I don't quite know what happened, and we can't ask him now because he's not alive anymore. But the principal of that school, he's been quoted as saying that he was briefed as to what to say. Mm-hmm. It's never really said who briefed him or where he got his information from or anything like that. But basically, the teachers were told 
to not talk about it. And if they did, they were probably going to be fired. Their job was to basically convince the students that they were crazy. That what they had seen was just a plane. It was nothing. I don't know what you guys are talking about. It's kind of weird to me. It is a bit weird. One teacher who, when the incident was happening, got a camera out and started taking photos. And someone, again, no one ever really describes who this person is. All people say is that they were wearing a uniform, but they didn't recognize the uniform. Yeah. Turned up to the school and confiscated it. So the photos were never developed. Because you got to remember this is 1966 and you had to actually go develop that shit. <laughs> so, I mean, people say that they think it was military personnel. Probably was. Might have been. I don't know. I can't say that for sure. It just, it seemed like there was a pretty big effort. And all of this happened on the day. No one left the school without being told, don't talk about it. News stations had started appearing, but no one would talk to them. So I'm assuming that they just didn't have a story, so it never ran. Yeah. It just seems like there was quite a bit of effort to make sure that no one was really going to talk about it. To me, it sounds like more credit that it was something the military was doing because oh, yeah. they were on the scene right away so clearly they knew where their craft was and they've already got a plan in place for if something happened yeah could have even just them being testing can we shut down the spread of a story if something like this happens you know it failed because we're talking about it right now but it also kind of succeeded though in a way it did because there's a lot of mystery around it like no one really knows what happened so it could have even been that it could have just been like how well can we suppress the story from happening maybe yeah Witnesses also said the military showed up very quickly. So apparently within like 15 minutes, they were on site. So that does say to me that they, they were possibly testing something that maybe like went awry. Yeah. And they were like close by to get it under control. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's what I more think that it is. That they were testing something, maybe didn't go to plan, that sort of thing. But I mean, there was other things that happened after that as well. Like people were saying that there were military personnel at the site for days afterwards. And then when people were able to go back there, the ground had all been burnt, so to get rid of the evidence. Again, because it's like this all this heavy military. Yeah, but it has to be a military aircraft. It would I be, think. and they're just covering themselves like, oh, you know, what if there is a Russian yeah. spy or something here in, Mel- in suburban Melbourne? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, the other side of that, though, is that the whole conspiracy about aliens is that the government knows, right? So why wouldn't they send the military to deal with it? Yeah. So I guess, like, if you want to flip that coin and go, like, onto the more wild story of what's plausible, not out of the question, possibly. Bit harder to sell that, the theory, though. Not much happened after that. Pretty much there was all these kids saying, we definitely seen something in the sky, we definitely didn't recognize what it was. A lot of people saying aliens, a lot of people saying UFO. The next update... (laughs) Okay. After this, is in 2014. So only a casual 40-odd years later? Yeah, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> the thing that I kind of like about this story, though, is that the witnesses will not shut up. <laughs> For all of the, you know, don't talk about it, you're crazy, you don't know what you've seen, they will not shut up. They're still constantly talking about it now, as, you know, obviously much older people still will not shut up about it. <laughs> Like, if someone's trying to find out info about it, they will talk to you. Just have to find them kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) But in 2014, the government revealed documents that say the object may have been part of a secret radiation testing program and that the object itself may have been a high-altitude balloon used to monitor radiation levels. Mm. I don't buy this. Why not? I'm going to show you a picture of the balloon. Okay. And it does not look like a flying saucer. Yeah, but keep in mind, when people see something they don't recognize, they try and make sense of it, and the first thing that would come to mind would be... The photo I'm about to show you absolutely looks like a balloon. I think that people would have easily been able to recognize that shape. It's also about 10 times bigger than people describe the object they've seen at Westall. Okay. It's the same color. I'll give you that. That's literally the only... If it's coming down that far, you know, the shape of it could have changed, or... Anyhow, let's it doesn't look like it. I'm going to send you the photo. Doesn't look like a flying saucer to me. <sighs> Kind of looks a little bit like the flying saucer from Fly the Navigator. (laughs) I don't know. When you get people describing a disc shape, that is absolutely not what comes to mind. Yeah, but when things are up in the sky like that, it can be hard to tell. And also the shape of it to change, especially if it was deflating, it fell down. Then how did it take off again? Whatever's in there to make it go up in the first place, kick back in. I think people got too close to still describe that as a disc shape. Obviously, I will share this photo on our Twitter because it does not look like a flying saucer. It is not flat. It yeah, is but massive. There's, but there's not one kind. Like I said, the balloon boy incident, if you remember that, the balloon he was supposedly yeah. taken away in is way more disc-shaped, you know? And also, this is a modern balloon. What do they look like back then? Maybe it was an experimental one. They said it no, was No, this was the balloon that they said they were using in their radiation testing. Oh, okay. So this is the thing that would they would have seen. Mm. This was the balloon from that particular experiment. Okay. So. It's one too big, two completely different shape. I mean too big. Okay, so the Westall flying saucer is described about the size of a large car. As you can see, that balloon has cars next to it in the photo. Mm. It's like 10, 20 times bigger than that? Oh, I wouldn't say it's 10 or 20 times bigger than the car. 
Oh, it's pretty fucking big in comparison to the car. A lot of that, though, is just like the dragon bit below it. But I don't also, buy the balloons it. come down that low, something's going wrong with it, so it's probably not keeping the same shape and the same size. I don't know. I buy it. If, if, if like, that, that's the, um, the photo they released with this statement about it being about radiation testing. If that's what it looked like, I don't believe it. It, it, it looks like a hot air balloon, but silver. So anyway, the program was a joint US-Australian initiative to monitor atmospheric radiation levels using large silver balloons equipped with sensors between 1960 and 1969. So that's that's the uh, explanation. I mean, I'm still inclined to believe it was probably something a bit more exciting than that, but I still think it was a military thing and not an alien. Yeah, I I as much fun as it would be to believe that aliens did come to Earth that day. I don't know how realistic that is. I think it more might have been like an experimental aircraft that maybe people weren't meant to see and something had gone wrong and that's why the military were close by. Yeah, that's all All of that makes more logical sense to me. I don't think we'll ever really know. I kind of think that in 2014, the government just said that to get people to stop talking about it. You could always join the military and get up there and find out yourself. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm not. I don't buy aliens, but I also don't dismiss it either. Because there's nothing really that you could. You can't really say either way. Because we don't know. I'm just going to go with what makes more logical sense. That doesn't mean it's necessarily true. I, I, I'm definitely on the military equipment yeah. side of it. I don't think it was aliens. Well, no one's seen any little green or grey men. No cheeks so. were clapped. No. No abductions. No one was probed. No. The only weird thing that people did say is that two people who got to the site first fainted. Well, I mean, something could have gone wrong with their senses. Maybe it was carrying radiation. Possibly. Yeah. But that's the only really weird thing. Because, like, if okay, say it was aliens who was, like, trying to, like, make people forget that they'd seen it. Why didn't all of them faint? I think it's a military thing gone awry. It's it's more fun to think aliens, but I just don't think that's uh, the case. The case, yeah. Well, speaking of things that have gone awry, testicle cut off in castration fantasy act. Man hospitalized. Is that seriously someone's fantasy to be castrated? Not just one person's. Two people's, at least. That just doesn't sound like fun to me. This is from Disney Rogers of I'm sorry to kink shame, but ooh. <laughs> so this story was actually reported a few days ago, and since then, Queensland has shut its border uh, to Sydney. Had they only done it a few weeks prior, they might have saved this man's testicles. Or his bits. <laughs> okay. So a Sydney man met a Brisbane electrician online over their shared castration fetish and decided that they were going to both bring it to life. Uh, I'll now be referring to each man, because neither of them are named, as Sydney and Brisbane. I feel like this might be one of those fantasies that's better on paper than it is in reality. Probably. Mm. They did their research, and Brisbane acquired the needed medical equipment and anesthetics. So, you know, this was rather thought out. They thought about it for a long Jeez. period of time. They were quite committed to it. You know, they're like, yep, yeah, we're going to do it. Uh, Sydney travels to Brisbane, hopefully obeying COVID restrictions and laws. Hopefully. This all happened during lockdown, by the way. So. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah, so sitting travels to Brisbane where they performed the act in a room in the Brisbane City CBD somewhere. So it sounds like there's a rented hotel downtown or an Airbnb, and they're like, all right, let's do it. So Brisbane administers the anesthetic and pops off a testicle. You know, all fine, good, going so far. Oh. All according to plan. Castrated. Boom. Uh, however, he finds he's unable to stitch the wound up sufficiently to stop the blood flow. This is so bad. This is bad. And a, like, a penis, it, it bleeds. You know? Yeah. There's a lot of blood vessels down there. It, it's going poorly now. Oh, no. So he's realized, well, this has gone badly. So okay. he calls an ambulance. He does the right thing. Okay. Well, I mean, that's something, you know. I feel like I was waiting for you to say that, like, he just left him there and, like, tried to cover up what had happened or no. something. No, no, no. Well, he did try to cover it up, but it didn't work. Remember? That's why they call the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> so it actually went to court. Oh. Despite both parties consenting to the act. Oh. You know, I feel like even if the other person says, yes, you can't just go popping off people's testicles. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess it's considered mal- medical malpractice, practicing without a license. Yeah, yeah, actually, good point. Uh, but Brisbane was denied bail as well. That seems a little weird to me. I don't think he's a danger to the greater society. Well, this is what the magistrate Judith Daly had to say. I find that given the nature of his offense, I think it is an unacceptable... I think, sorry, he is an unacceptable risk of committing further offenses and also endangering the safety and welfare of other persons. So she thinks that... Or he thinks? Judith? So I think the magistrate thinks that, well, he's already found one person to cut the nut off, why not another? Or that same person again might be like, yeah, all right, let's go for two. Yeah, okay. No, that makes sense to me, actually. She sold it to me 
Yeah, like, I, I get I it. I agree with the magistrate. So I'm like, okay. And then Brisbane's lawyer also went on to, as I guess, part of his defense, be like, oh, yeah, he's on like medication for his ADHD. He's got a minor Asperger's syndrome. And for some reason, they also brought up that the guy has a Kleinfelter syndrome, which is when like a guy's born with extra female DNA or a chromosome. I didn't really okay. look at it too much. That's the bad gist of what a Kleinfelter syndrome is. Okay. But. All it really means is they're a little bit more effeminate looking and they might die two years earlier than expected. Okay. I, look, I don't know what the lawyer's getting at. I'm not a lawyer, but I don't know why any of that had to do with his case. Yeah, that sort of seems really irrelevant. Oh, he didn't mean to do He's got ADHD. Like, well, no, that doesn't make sense because they planned no. it for a long time. I don't, like, I thought ADHD people generally never got around to actually executing the plan. They get I'm- distracted by something else. <laughs> I mean... I think that's the stereotype. I, I will fully admit that's what we go with. But I see it all the time on like people, like they share their memes about their ADHD and they're like starting a new project, all my other projects, you know? Mm. So, I don't think it has anything to do with this case. I, I don't either, but they mentioned the article. I'm like, why? What, what is. Yeah, that's weird to me. I don't think Asperger's I've, I've made never... him cut someone else's nut off. They both consented. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not. I think they're just both weird people who have a really odd fetish and that went a little bit too far. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I kind of feel like the rest is a bit irrelevant. Like, I don't think it makes any difference to the case. No. That just sort of seems like media bias. Yeah, maybe. Like, we're going to point out these things that we perceive as wrong with these people as an excuse. Which I guess could be a bit odd coming from a queer newspaper. Yeah. That, the, the game, that is weird. Like, if it was from, like, the Daily Mail or something, I'd be like, You'd be oh, like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Of course they would. But Are they trying a, to say it's a contributing factor? I have no idea. I mean, maybe they're just like, look, this is what happened. I'm going to report it. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it is just describing these people. Like, I don't know. That's what the lawyer said. I have no idea. It's okay. I just thought it was weird so, and that I brought it on here as well. Further perpetuating the issue, I suppose. Yeah, a little. <laughs> it's okay. But I was just like, why, why is this in here? Yeah, like what, what does it have to do with the story? So is he going to go to jail for it? I don't know if you could really serve jail time for this. What, popping off a testicle? It's consented to, though. You still parties. can't just pop off people's testicles. It's just like that cannibal case in Germany, wherever it was. Yeah, I suppose, but no one died. Yeah, I get that. But like, at what point do you let it go until someone dies? Like, Also, speaking of it. popping off testicles, that's how my grandfather apparently used to castrate sheep. What, just popping them off? Yeah, you, what you do is you get the poor little lamb, you twist its nuts, yeah. and then you bite down and they pop off and make a noise. Ugh. It's kind of like bubblegum popping. I don't imagine it would be pleasant for the little... It's very really quick. Apparently it's better than cutting them off. Mm, I don't like it. Things that happen on farms. Yeah, I don't think I could ever live on a farm. That brings us to the end of my castration story. Um, what a lovely story it was. I know. <laughs> I promise the next story and my last one's a little bit more fun. I hope you like big birds. I don't. I hate them. Well, you're not going to like it then. The only reason I say I actually quite like birds and I like big birds. But what you're going to describe to me is a fucking emu and I know it and I hate them. Could be worse. How could it be worse? Cassowary. I've never met one. I've met an emu though. Cassowaries are a little bit smaller than an emu, but I'd much rather much be... Much more terrifying. I'd much rather be locked in a room with an emu than a cassowary. I mean, I'll agree Which to that. Which I technically have been. <laughs> I'll agree to that. It was a cage. Still don't want to be locked in a room with either of them. It wasn't too bad. There were some quackers as well. Yeah, makes it a little bit better, I guess. <laughs> Anyway, I'm not going to talk about emus. I'm going to talk about something else. Qu- quackers? No. I was going to say there's no animals in the story, but there is an animal. But it's not the, the main feature. Oh. A Darwin man was walking his dog along the beach at Lee Point when his dog found something that it was very interested in. And it looked like a severed human finger. Well, no one dies no in one this dies podcast. No one dies in this podcast. So <laughs> we've had balls lopped off and jaws pulled out and now we've lost a finger. So- but no one dies. <laughs> Just horrible memings all around. <laughs> So the man obviously called the police because what else did you do when you find the severed finger? It's your your dog's new bone to chew on. No, no. (laughs) When the police arrived on scene, they weren't entirely sure what the man had found, but still treated it as human remains because it did look a lot like it. Fuck, what's it going to (laughs) be? The finger was sent for forensic examination, who, by the way, couldn't identify what it was. What, What does forensic examination do that they can't figure out what a thing is? Well, I mean, if it's not part of a body, then they're not going to know. Okay, fair point, actually. Fair point. All they could say would be like, oh, it's definitely not a human bone. Yeah. That was very ignorant of me to say, I don't know what forensic examination does. I just figured they'd be like doctors and shit. Mm. For all of the crime podcasts I listen to, I still don't know. So when they couldn't figure it out, they sent it to pathology. 
In my mind, I'm like, isn't that another thing where they're trying to identify human parts? I suppose they've probably got more, like, pathology would still look at some animals. Like, there'd be vet pathology. Spoiler alert, this is also not an animal. Hmm. So it was pathology who uh, figured out what it was. Okay. A photo of the finger made the rounds with officers who were debating whether it was a real finger or not. Because apparently it was quite convincing to look at. Is it like a prop? It actually turned out to be a mysterious plant instead. Oh. Pathology ended up figuring out that it was plant matter, not human or animal. Okay. Well, that makes sense that pathology would do that. There is a plant that looks like human fingers. I think I've heard of that, actually. I'm going to try and pronounce it. It's hard, though. Does it have a common name? No. Oh. (laughs) It's called Alcinium digitin. How's that? Let me have a look. really bad pronunciation. How's it spelled? A-L-C-Y-O-N-I-U-M. New word. D-I-G-I-T-A-T-U-M. Oh, is it a... It's a coral? Yes. Okay. Under the sea... Under the sea. (laughs) The issue here, it's only found in the Northern Hemisphere, and we are obviously very much in the Southern. This is in Darwin, though. They're not that far from the equator. It's reasonable that it could have drifted in the ocean. Well, apparently in the article, they said that that, there was no way it could be there. Someone's importing human fingers. (laughs) The other other thing is, excellent police work, I guess. They disposed of it before they, like, got the final results. So no one can actually know what it ever was. So, look, your theory could absolutely be 100% right. I would say at this stage, given we've got nothing else to go on, it's either that or someone's importing coral, but I can't imagine there's Why a black that? market coral trade yeah. <laughs> that ends up on a beach in Darwin. So, yeah, that that, that was the whole story. Uh, that I, I, I'm going to go with a dead coral that's bleached, hence why it looks like a bone or a finger. Yeah. And then it's just drifted on the ocean waves and the currents have taken it to Brisbane. Uh, Darwin, sorry. Possibly, yeah. But they do. They kind of look like little Cheeto-crusted fingers. <laughs> I think the name's Latin. It did say in the article what um, the Latin meant. I, I'm assuming because it's Alsonium digitatum. So I'm assuming digit is in like, like fingers, fingers digits. Yeah. Um, but that would be all I could decipher that. So Yeah. So I just thought that one was kind of funny. I think I'd be embarrassed if I was a dude. I like, you know, cause all this panic for the police. Oh, there I was think this he finger. did the right thing. It's them oh, of course like, he did the right there thing. There you go. Like, you... Commonly known as dead man's finger. There you go. Look at that. <laughs> I, it makes sense we don't know the common name here because it's not grow around here. This comes yeah. from the UK. Pay them. Yeah. But, Dead um, man's fingers. I mean, that's kind of funny. You think you found a human finger on the beach and it turns out to just be a plant. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, why does nature do this to us? I don't know. But it's kind of cool that like, hey, there's an above ground version as well. Looks like maybe I'm mistaken. I did read Coral when I Googled it. it, Definitely Coral when it came up. So this is different. Maybe there's two. Maybe maybe it's a case of like the same common name for two different plants. Maybe. Because they look like, that's what I was picturing the above ground ones. Mm. So eh, maybe it's just called that. But this was a Coral. Mm. There you go. Floating fingers from a foreign land. Big and I should um, do a short one at the end because I was sure I was going to talk about aliens for too long. Forever. Okay. You ever heard of Yarka? Yarka? Uraka? Is Uraka. that a place? Uraka? I don't know. It is. So if you find yourself thirsty in the remote southwestern Queensland town of Uraka, Uraka, I don't really know how to say Eureka. it. Eureka! No. Yeah. Y-A-R-A-K-A. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, look, you're not going to have a lot of options, okay? It's a very small place. Okay. Pretty much all you've got is the Uraka Hotel. Okay. Yep. As you approach the front door of the pub, you'll find the entrance is barricaded by ropes, and there's a sign, and it reads... Emus have been banned from this establishment for bad behavior. Please let yourself in through the emu barrier and then reconnect it, please. So they've got a problem with emus walking into their pub? Yep. Oh, I wouldn't want to work there. (laughs) Emus are now banned from the pub. So Uraka apparently a few years ago decided to hatch and raise a bunch of emus. It's a bit of a tourist attraction. Ugh, why would you do that? To bring tourists, because people want to come to Australia and see the weird animals. Yeah, but pick a better one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I, I, mean, I guess it worked. People do go there to see the emus. However, hotel owner Chris Gimblet says they've recently learned how to climb stairs because there's like a couple of stairs they got to go up to get into his hotel. Nah, don't like Quoting it. Quoting Chris here, we didn't really want them becoming patrons of the hotel because when they do get in here, they behave a bit badly. Their toileting is not particularly pleasant. Ugh. That's the biggest problem because they do toilet quite frequently. So in other words, understandably, he doesn't want giant birds doing giant bird shits in his pub. I mean, I get it. And, you know, emus have the same kind of shit that the birds that shit on your car, you know? Imagine having to fucking clean that up all the time. Yeah, no thanks. But it's huge, because fucking emus are big. (laughs) Quoting Chris again, they still hang around each gate, 
hoping they'll be able to slip in when someone opens it up. But so far, we're winning the war. The war. Not another war on emus. It may be that the Great Australian Emu War 2 is in fact a cold one. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. That was my own writing. <laughs> <laughs> but for now, it appears things are going much better for Australia this time. You're not being destroyed by emus yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, but all, all I have to say, if you are a tourist coming to Australia, whenever that may be for you. Yeah. I mean, I guess domestic tourism. There's probably people who live in Australia their whole lives and have actually ever seen an emu in person. How? I don't know. I don't like them and I've still seen them. In the wild? Not in the wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you don't want to go to Uraka to see the emus, don't fuck with them. They're big. They're I like, like six a, foot. Like, they yeah, will fuck with you. Yeah, 186 centimeters tall or six foot one or something. Yeah. And I look at them and they look me in the eye. Like, they're big birds. They're like big chickens. They can be aggressive, especially if it's breeding season. And you wouldn't be the first person in this country to get killed by one if it goes wrong. I've always been scared of them. I've never liked them. And I think it is because they're taller than me. Mm. And that makes me feel very uncomfortable because it's a big fucking bird that can look down on me. I will say they are delightfully soft to touch, though. Oh, why would like, you touch one? I, okay, I didn't mean to touch one. I was just in the enclosure cleaning it, and it was the breeding season, so this emu was like... Hey, what's up? Pretty much. It followed me around the enclosure, and it kept putting its head on my shoulder. Oh, it was that's a bit cute. cute. It was. And then as I was leaving and locking it up, it bit me. Well, that's, that's what you get for not giving it enough attention. And to be fair, most animals I meet have bitten me. <laughs> have either of our animals bitten you? I think Poppy probably has. Yeah, Poppy's bitten me. Pixie hasn't yet. But I mean, just in general, like... You, you, Honestly, crocodile, snake, only ones I can think of off the top of my head that I've met and touched that haven't bit me. Oh, and the long That's probably a good thing. You don't want a crocodile or a snake biting you. I was a bit worried about the tree kangaroo because it had really long claws. It didn't quite get around to biting me, but it was going to because <laughs> they taught, I had to sort of help do some bit of like behavioral training with the thing to like get it to move. Mm. And it was like, hey, you've just got the snacks in your hand, so why don't I just take that? And they got big claws on them and it was fine. I like tree kangaroos. Cuscus, if you will. That's what we call them in New Guinea. A cuscus. Not to be confused with couscous. <laughs> Definitely we don't want to confuse We also have in New Guinea. I discovered the other day on YouTube that Taronga Zoo is doing like keeper talks and stuff. And they have live streams. They have they had do the have live streams quarantine. and they're good. But the keeper talks were really uh, interesting for me. I was watching one the other day where it was talking about how they do physical examinations of the tigers. Oh, yeah. Basically, they knock them the fuck out. How is he going to like, do it? But I mean, like, how do you knock out a tiger without touching it? In its food? They basically get a long stick and put a needle on the end. <laughs> <laughs> I should watch those because I wonder if I'd see and anyone like, I recognize. <laughs> and then like they keep poking it to see if it'll respond. <laughs> it, it was kind of mean, but it was also really interesting because then they went through all the things that they check and because apparently um, the female tigers are quite old. Mm, okay. Uh, so the one that, that I watched a video on was a 15-year-old Sumatran tiger. And they were going through all the things that they check and mm. all that kind when of When I was there, I was prepping food for some of their spider monkeys. And they had four spider monkeys and they were all in their 60s. Wow. Like very elderly lady spider monkeys. Um, so I was putting shit in there like women's multivitamins and <laughs> osteoarthritis medication for them. Monkeys are too like And us. they just use, yeah, they just use like, it was um, black balls. Wow, okay. <laughs> it was just, they were like, just crush that up and put it in there with it for them. Close enough that it was fine. I mean, yeah. it makes, it's just vitamins, right? All animals yeah. use the same vitamins. It makes sense. You could just use the same ones. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I also remember when they brought the orangutan in, because I was on the primate section. And aren't they? Uh, they're big, aren't they? They are big. Um, again, unfortunately, you know, they do have to sedate them. But there were two guys with guns on standby. That That's the problem is if the orangutan gets out, they're really strong. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think that orangutans were, like, particularly aggressive. No, but, if but they you can imagine if he wakes up, up on the table in the middle up. of nowhere, he's probably yeah. going to go, what the fuck? And you can't have a wild orangutan running around the zoo. Yeah, obviously. But yeah, the, the tiger one was interesting for me because it's not, like, too much unlike what they do with your house cats when you take them to the vet. Yeah, just on a bigger scale. Just, like, on a much bigger scale. Which is like, it's kind of crazy to think about. You've anyway. been dealing with a 300-kilo poppy. <laughs> poppy if I had the same temperament, it'd be fine. <laughs> Tiger-sized. That'd be kind of cool if, yeah, if she had the same temperament. She had the same temperament. I don't know how we'd afford to feed her. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, actually, because sometimes she gets mad and bites me. So, <laughs> when I annoy her too much. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to be the Australian version of Tiger King. No, definitely not. The wild ride that show was. I believe that brings us to the end of another episode, though. It does. It does. I feel like it went really quickly at the end. I feel like our first two stories were like, yeah, blah, 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 and then it was a blah, blah, blah. Yeah, That's I feel summary. like I may have talked about UFOs for too long, but UFOs are fun. 
It's fun to think about all like the possibilities. I've been tossing and tossing up for ages whether or not I bother covering the emu war. I I have to admit, I don't know that much about the emu war. I mean, I know it's a thing that happened and that we lost. Okay, maybe I will then, because to me, I do know about it. So every time it gets brought up, I'm like, oh, yeah, the emu war, I get it. But I suppose (laughs) not everyone has that knowledge that I have. Yeah, no, I don't really know that much about it. Okay, it could be fun. I might look into doing it since we brought up a potential emu war too. I was thinking about maybe continuing on our my UFO interest. Yeah. I was thinking about maybe doing Fred Valentich next week. Okay. Let's look forward to that. The audio is wild. Mm. I wonder if I can like put it in an episode so you can all hear it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So as always, if you have any stories you'd like to share or suffer us to cover on the podcast, you can give us some feedback at all. Or anything else you'd like to send us, you can email us at fmedeadpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can contact us and follow us on Twitter at fuckmedeadpod. We'll also keep up to date, up to date rather. On when episodes are released as well as anything else that comes up on our minds. I actually posted on Twitter today a picture of the little mouse thing that you talked about last week. Oh, the Antichinus. The yeah. mouse that fucks. Yeah. So you should definitely Horny check it out. Jeff the fuck Just rat. for that photo. <laughs> that, I like the Antichinus. It's a cute little creature. He's very Fucking cute. Fucking weird little thing, though. <laughs> but yeah, again, as always, you can find all the information and more on our website at fuckmedadpodcast.com, which has a list of ways you can listen to us. And you can also listen to the episodes directly from the website the future is now literally this moment (laughs) recorded in the past is the future (laughs) subscribe if you have the time and leave us a review yeah if you feel like it yeah (laughs) anything else to say wow you just you put me on the spot yep geez okay not really just thanks for hanging out again i really appreciate it and if you live in victoria stay the fuck home that but not as aggressive (laughs) (laughs) we will uh Talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye.